Hello and welcome back to another Mean Green Podcast. I think this is episode 15. I am, as always, your host, Rick Smith, and I am joined by my co-host, Milo Mahalt says we'll have John Fields in here to eat his words a little bit later. But until then, we are on our own. Milo, how are you today, my friend? I'm doing great. Absolutely great. It's another episode of another Mean Green podcast, and um, we got a lot in store. We got some some breaking news that just dropped recently, and we're we going to dive into it. But uh, I'm excited for it. Very excited for it. I am as well. How has your week been? It's been good. It's been um it's been very very chill, very low key. Um not a lot of action going on, but um, getting no action. I, 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 not like that. Not like that. Um but you know, I, I I think it's it's been it's been nice. It's been nice. A good a good first two weeks to start off the new year. For sure. Uh probably along the same lines for me um not much going on but it has been a copious nice little uh two weeks very copious um i feel enlightened can we get a a definition for that for all of our non-miriam webster users let me pull up the official definition here just so uh copious copious. abundant in supply in supply plentiful quantity Indeed. So it's a wow. synonym, it's a synonym of plentiful. So I like that. That's good. Yeah. Word of the day. Another there main you go. podcast word of the day. Yeah. Casey's been sending me wordles all week. And some of the mm. wordle answers she gets are just like incredibly stupid. Like I I can't remember which one stumped her yet the other day, but it was something just like she sent it to me I'm like how is that something that they put in a wordle dude i have like, actually never played wordle i remember when it was wow. trending i tried to play it I, I don't know i put very minimal effort into understanding how it worked but um i i just gave up i didn't even bother trying it and i know the wordle the wordle craze was everything like two years ago uh, i just never jumped on that train i think people still love wordle though like they still play it they're just more low-key about it yeah that that makes sense but enough about our our year so far we'll get more on that as the year progresses but there was some big freaking news in the college football world today really in the sporting world uh, nick saban has announced his retirement the legendary seven-time national or national title winner only guy who's done that wow i mean End of an era is the first thing I think I'd like to say here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, actually, my take this week was going to be it's the end of the Alabama dynasty, really. I mean, that's it. For me personally, I, I mean, I think Alabama, they're still going to, you know, they're going to recruit very well, of course. Um, they're going to advertise the their, um, you know, two decades almost of success. But at the same time, I think um, it is truly the end of an era with Nick Saban. What a phenomenal coach. Um, easily, undoubtedly, the best coach in college football history. Oh, for And, sure. um, you know, this program is not going to be the same without him. They're not going to be the same without him. No. You're probably not going to see Alabama continue to be in the um, running for the Natty as continuously as they did or as consistent as they were in the past several years. Um, but I just want to say, who called it? Who had a take earlier this year? This is the mother of all Milo nose ball takes because I called it at the beginning of this year. I said Alabama's not looking too—they're not looking too good. I mean, they're okay. They ended up making the uh, college football playoff, of course, and uh, I, I personally don't think they should have gotten in, but they did, and of course they lost to Michigan, who. Um, yeah, ended up winning, and we'll get into that. But uh, so, anyways, I said that Alabama, if they continue to not perform up to standards, we could see Nick Saban go bye bye, and he did for good. But I don't see. Here's my thing. I don't think they didn't perform to standard. I mean, twelve and two with a loss to the eventual national champion and a playoff team. That's not too bad. That's, yeah, that's not too bad as well. But um, this is an Alabama program that is usually a lock for a top four spot. 
every year, top five spot. Um, so to be out of the top five all throughout the year and then all of a sudden in the final week, um, jump all the way into a college football playoff spot. Um, the, to say that they were on top of their standards is, I mean, I, I think they probably fell a little bit short of it. Um, yeah, year, I mean, but, they you know. they weren't as good as they had been. I think it's really hard to be as good as he, he had been in yeah. the last what, – what, what, I just lost the ability to speak. I'm sorry. Um, for the last 16 years because he was hired in 2007. So, I mean, it's just kind of hard for me to go like, yeah, this season was not up to Alabama standard, and that's why Nick Saban – is done. No, I think the guy's just tired and there's not much else yeah. you can really do in college football. If you're Nick Saban, I mean, you've, you've done it all. You know, there's nothing that he can be ashamed of leaving his career behind. You can't say, well, I never got the recruits I wanted. Definitely well, did. Of course. I mean, he did everything that yeah, you he did everything of as a college football coach. So, I mean, if we look at this, his overall record at Alabama was 201 and 29. Oh my goodness. In conference play, 117 and 18. 99 more games he won in the SEC than he lost. That's crazy. Insane. Literally insane. And then if you look at championship games, he went. Just making it sure here. One, two, three, four, five, six. He went six for eight at Alabama and, and national titles. And I mean, what else can you say? Get, go to the title eight of 16 years. That's ha so you're they're competing every year. There was never a time that they were not competing except his first year. Um but after that, from 08 to 2023, Alabama never had less than 11 wins. Yeah, one of the most dominant dynasties in all of sports, honestly. Like, I, I would say, without a doubt, in all of sports. Oh, for sure. Um, Alabama just – Nick Saban totally transformed the culture there, and no other coach is going to replicate that. Oh, for sure not. And I kind of want to get into that now. You know, Nick Saban was the best coach in the country. No doubt. For 16 years, he was the best coach in the country. Now, I, I open the floor. Who is the best coach in the country now? Because Harbaugh is looking like he's probably going to the NFL. So, not Harbaugh. So, who's the best? Who's the best coach? I don't know. That's a good point. Um, would you say Kirby Smart? I think I'd have to. I think Kirby Smart's up there. Yeah. Dan Lanning certainly up there mm -hmm. as well. I think he's a fantastic head coach. Offensively, you got to say Lincoln Riley, but he's yeah. not, that his prowess as a defensive coach holds him yeah. back significantly from that conversation. Yeah, but and I wouldn't um, say Dabo either, just because you know no. Clemson's kind of been been on a decline. But uh, yeah, I mean it's definitely the the landscape, the coaching landscape that uh, debate for who's the best coach in, in the NCAA right now is definitely blown wide open. I know who it's not. Who? Sonny Dykes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah I don't we'll, know. We'll just, we'll I don't know why I wanted to take yeah. a TCU shot there, but yeah, we'll, we'll leave don't it like it. That. Yeah. But yeah, Nick Saban, congrats on a wonderful career, my friend. Fantastic career, funniest guy in the interviews, great coach to watch. 292, 71 and 1 is his total record in college, 15 and 17 in NFL, 19 and 12 in bowls, and 9 and 5 in the college football playoff. He finishes with seven national titles, 11 SEC titles, one MAC title, 12 SEC West titles, and Let's just go down this list of coaching accolades real quick. Two-time Bear Bryant Award, two-time Walter Camp Coach of the Year, George Munger Award, Bobby Dodd Coach of the Year in 2014, two-time AP College Football Coach of the Year, two-time Eddie Robinson Coach of the Year, Home Depot Coach of the Year, Sporting News Coach of the Year, Liberty, Liberty Mutual Coach of the Year, the Bobby Bowden Coach of the Year, and five-time SEC Coach of the Year. I mean... 
that's impressive. And all the rings. I mean, he's got enough rings for almost both hands. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. So, shout out you, Nick Saban, the GOAT. Now, here's here's a question that I have. Do you think, let's say he left for the NFL today, not that it's going to happen, but let's say he left for the NFL today. Um, Do you think he could replicate the success that he had at Alabama somewhere in the NFL? I don't think he could replicate it, but I feel like if he would have stuck it out with the Dolphins like two more years, they could have been a perennial playoff team. Yeah, yeah, because I'm wondering like, okay, so in a hypothetical scenario, Nick Saban goes to the NFL and, you know, becomes a, a, a good coach in the NFL as well. Yeah. Um, would we have to consider him the best football coach of all time at that point? I think you can look at him as the best football coach of all time anyway. I mean, I don't, I don't really think much about the the difference between coaching NFL and coaching college. I, I understand it's a different challenge, but here's my thing. I don't think any I think any college football coach could coach at the NFL level. I don't think every NFL coach could coach at the college level. You think? I don't think a lot of NFL coaches could recruit. Oh yeah. Rec- oh yeah. Definitely think, not. Especially yeah. in today's age. I think recruiting is the hardest thing a football pl- or a football coach at any level has to do. Oh yeah, especially now because you got the monetary aspect of it now too, right? Yeah. So like you, there's a lot that goes into it, but Nick Saban being able to recruit like that was just—I mean—it was unmatched. And I mean, look at how many Alabama players are in the NFL. Yeah, there's that I mean, too. You're, I mean, you're looking at you as a as a recruit. You're going into Nick Saban's office being like, shit, damn, that's Nick Saban. He produced this guy, this guy, this guy, and the list goes on and on, right? There's probably plenty of recruits that walk into his office and he coached their favorite player growing up. So, I mean, that alone is, is you know, why he was such a good recruiter, too, on, on top of being a great coach. Yeah, I mean... There's not a, we could sit here and talk about Nick Saban for the whole episode. I mean, the guy was just, I mean, everything you'd want in a coach, disciplined, uh, successful, assertive winner. And, you know, shout out to a great career, Nick, 72 years old, moving Mm -hmm. on. And on the, what's funny is Pete Carroll is also 72 and he and the Seahawks amicably split, split today. So two top 20 coaches of all time. Done. Yeah, Very that's wild. Yep. Both 72 years old. But, Milo, we have a new section. I was tired of you having the only section in the show. It's always Milo's take, and it's never read. So, and an homage to my old show that I did alone for like a year and a half and then quit because I got bored with it. I'm bringing it back for a section. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the first Don't Read Into It section of the show. It's like Milo's take, but me. (laughs) So, It's a good way of advertising it. There you go. Exactly. It's like a total knockoff of Milo's take, except don't read into it. And it's a little homage. I don't know if you ever listened to Don't Read Into It, Milo, but... I did. A little bit. Did you? Did Just you a smidge. It? Was it all right? It was good. There you go. It was good. I would go to... Or can I say that? I'd go to the school radio station. The school radio to, station. The school radio yeah. station with two really cool guys. And then I'd come back and record my podcast. So just a little behind the scenes type thing. But let's not read into everything. Let's read into it. Uh... I want to talk about ticket prices, man. Ooh. Oh, my God. So when a certain team that I may or may not be a fan of may have made the national title, potentially, um, I started looking at tickets for the national title game just in case they made it. They didn't. <laughs> but I looked at a bunch of tickets. The lowest I could find for nosebleeds even, like high up nosebleeds, the get-in price was $1,600. Oh! $1,600! Unbelievable! I do not get why 
sports teams and really across American sports in general, they're trying to take the sport away from the general man. 1600 for nosebleeds? Yeah, just the average guy to go to it. I get that it's the national title. Whatever. That's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. But if you go like across U.S. sport, let's 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 specify this because if you'd go see a UNT game with your whole family for like eighty bucks, but um, <laughs> but um, for P five sports and professional sports, most of them, it's gonna be like you're looking at at least two hundred dollars for three people, considering food and everything else. You're gonna be spending at least that much and that's just too much man yeah it's called inflation well and, i know uh, what it yeah thanks yeah thanks so, economic flow yeah no problem you know that's my that's my that's my forte my specialty no i think it's unfair i think it's absolutely unfair and and you're robbing you're robbing the fans of, of an experience um a s- similar scenario not really similar but uh you know, I'm a huge New York Rangers fan. They play at Madison Square Garden, uh, the mm-hmm. world's most famous arena, also known as the world's most expensive arena, because you can't go see a game there without spending an arm and a leg. And you know what they say? The most loyal fans, the most dedicated fans are up in the nosebleeds. That's true. That's very I mean, true. I, I think that's true. Yeah. Uh, and while, let's, and while let's just on, look at this. Yeah. Let's just look at this. So... If you would like to go see the New York Rangers play at the Garden, mm-hmm. you're going to have to, let's see, let's sit in 318, which is one of the highest sections, uh, on StubHub, oh, just $219 each. Yeah, and who are they playing? They're playing the Caps, and the Caps suck this yeah. year. Well, they're all right, but... Um, yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of a rivalry game, but I mean, it doesn't matter. Even regardless of who they play, I mean, even if they're hosting the Arizona Coyotes, it's still, you're almost paying $100 for, a, you're probably paying over $100 for a nosebleed seat. Jeez, Milo, bro. No one's going to this game, man. There's a lot of, a, there's a lot of tickets available. Yeah. Yeah, so it's, I mean, it's not just the national championship, like you said. It's everywhere. Like, ticket prices are insane. Yeah, and let's yeah. let's go to like let's go see a Lakers game on StubHub. Let's just see how much that is. Um, let's see the Lakers playing the Suns uh tomorrow. Let's see. I want to sit in section three twelve top seventy five each for nosebleeds. That's obscene. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I know it sounds like I'm like and moaning a little bit, but no, I mean it's a valid point. It's you're a valid taking, point, but yeah. You're you're taking sports out of the average person's pocket, you know, because you're gonna get mostly like upper middle class to rich people going to these games, and they're not the ones that are gonna sit in those stands. It's the the middle class, the hardworking folks that are gonna sit there and and go watch your games and have been fans. Yeah, you know? and I don't, I don't mean to, I don't mean to get on the the upper class people that can afford those tickets. But I feel like the majority of sports fans in America, the diehard ones, are the working class, the middle class ones, the people that can't really afford tickets to the national championship. All the people that that get these really expensive tickets, you know, they, they usually get them from, uh, they'll get them from from work and. Um, you know, as, as prize tickets or um, it's a lot of corporate people essentially that will, that will get those seats and they'll sit there and enjoy the game. Yeah. And, and you take, you take it away from the real fans. It. Yeah. Maybe they don't even enjoy the game, dude. They just like, yeah. Are there. I don't know. Yeah. I agree. I with you know. though. But no, yeah. Don't read into it too much. Um, hey, and <laughs> uh Yeah. That's my first, that's my first section. That's what I think. I was going to buy CFP title or CFP tickets, decided not to. But I just still want to talk about the CFP. And for that, let's bring in John Fields. Come on in, Johnny Fields. 
Welcome to the show. It is, your, it is your third appearance, technically. Welcome back. Yeah, I mean, it's always always a pleasure to get to hop on with you guys here. Um, today might not be quite as much of a pleasure, uh, just because I'm on here to eat a little crow and show a little integrity, but that's all right. What uh, the hell was that? Eat a little crow? Just just a little bit. <laughs> just, just eat a little, little crow? Absolutely. <laughs> Would nice. it was birds anywhere near my mouth to be honest with you, but they're an abomination that I would not be sad to see wiped out. That's you all know, I have to say about those. Crows say hello though. You ever see that one that's like hi? <laughs> oh yeah, they're just trying to get uh get into your pathological system, get you to sympathize with them somehow, and then uh then they're gonna take over the world. So you gotta be yeah, they're um they're known as evil birds and for a good reason. You know, they can say yep. a little bit more than just hello. Well, but Edgar Allan Poe's was what the Raven? It the was the Raven. Yeah, yeah, not the Crow. But uh, let's get into it, man. Speaking of uh, Crow, uh, Michael Penix Jr. could not crow the ball, nor could he throw it. Um, oh my god! Michael Penix Jr. eight against Michigan, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> oh my gosh! Let me read out the stat line: twenty-seven for fifty-one, two hundred and fifty-five yards, a touchdown, and two interceptions, and hurt feelings and hurt ribs. Ah, Washington lost the national title, thirty-four to thirteen, to the Cornball Wolverines. And wow, I mean, who could have seen it coming? We, I picked Washington. I believe everyone in the group chat picked Washington. No, but one no. person didn't pick Washington. <laughs> Milo, you put you picked Michigan, yep. and you were correct. Right, I called Michigan going all the way at like the halfway point of the season because I knew, because I know ball. I just knew that Michigan, <laughs> it was their year. Think about it. You got to think about it for a second. This is a team that is ranked number one. They're a powerhouse. Uh, they took down Ohio State too. On top of that. This is a team that could not get over the hump for years, for years. So you look at them, they're number one, they're over Bama, they're over Ohio State. It's their year. It's got to be their year. And they take down, the minute they take down Alabama, you think they're going to lose to Washington? You think they're going to lose Washington? No. Another thing to note, one last thing. We see this happen all the time in sports. The Cinderella story. We see it everywhere. The NHL, we saw it with the Florida Panthers. The year prior in NCAA, we saw it with TCU. Cinderella story, the team that you wouldn't think goes all the way, they go all the way. Do they finish the job? No. That's exactly what Washington did. Predicted it from a mile away. And what happened? <laughs> well, they didn't do it, but... John, I just want your thoughts on this one before I give mine. I, I think everyone pretty much knows what my thoughts are at this point. So, John, what do you what did you think? Oh man, yeah, this is going to be pretty uh, pretty hard to. Uh, no, I'm kidding. It's not that difficult to say. I was wrong. I thought Washington was the number one team in the country all year, and I was almost proven right, but I wasn't. They were the number two team in the country. Michigan was better. And it uh, it's painful to say that because really it felt like for much of the year that hopping on the Washington train early was going to do me well, but it just didn't uh, didn't quite turn out that way. I, I would like to say as well, it's something that came up in our group chat, but just the fact that Michigan won based on just sheer fuel from just completely self-inflicted adversity the fact that michigan thrived off of that there's nothing more american about a team than that so congrats to michigan on winning in about the most american way possible i mean if that's not the epitome of how it should be done in this country i don't know what is what i mean should i put a bald eagle screech over that speech <laughs> i think you should yeah wow the most american way to win it what a cornball <laughs> yeah. you're, you're our cornball of the week. You're, you are exactly. the cornball of the week. Well, I, uh, I tell you what, I, I do have one other thing I'd like to add on Michael Penix. I, I respected oh the fact that he was willing to stay in the game, take all the hits and everything like that. Like I respected the fact that he was going to go out like that and not, you know, do the smart thing for his draft stock and go sit on the sideline. Like I respected it that he didn't want to go out any other way. And I also okay. like to point out the fact that Michigan had pretty clearly the best defense in the country. I mean, they just made Washington look silly a, a week after Washington made Texas look silly. So 
it, it was just one of those things where Michigan was just better than uh, better than I thought they were, and they got the Washington job. Washington did not make Texas look silly. I think they did. Absolutely what are you did. talking I about? Think my, I, think, I think Michael Penix Jr. dropped it all over the Texas Longhorns. They were four plays away from losing. Right, because well, Washington that's because, because they, they, they had to, yeah, the game. They had to it give them a fair fight, of course. So they took their it, foot off the gas. But make no mistake, three-fourths okay, of the game, they got clapped. But, but Quinn throws an accurate ball to A.D. Mitchell, or Quinn Ewers, pardon me. Quinn Ewers throws an accurate ball to A.D. Mitchell in the corner. You're telling me that he's the – and Texas wins that game. You're telling me that the narrative is not different? If it's not the fourth it quarter – the, if be, it's not the fourth quarter, the final seconds of that game – Texas is, be, not the, okay, Texas is not in the position to make the If Texas wins that game, then it's, wow, a gritty Texas team out-dueled Washington at the very end. This is just like the 2006 no, the Rose Bowl. That would be the same narrative. Oh, that was no, the exact no, same drive. No, that was the, no. no, no, no. No, no, you listen to me. That would that was the exact same drive that Vince Young took, took the Longhorns on against USC. The difference was it was Vince Young, not Quinn Ewers. Quinn Ewers didn't have the playability that Vince Young did, so what, Texas didn't win that game. The play calling wasn't that great either. But you, that's or, like, that or maybe Texas just set themselves the whole game and they set themselves up for failure. Maybe, maybe, maybe what? just or maybe or maybe Michael Penix Jr. just absolutely clapped their cheeks because that's all I saw. That's all I saw throughout the entire night. Penix was just throwing dob, throwing yeah, dying. Had a good game. I'm not, I'm not denying. I never said anything oh, about Penix right. not having a good de- game. All I'm saying is that Texas had the opportunity to win that game and they didn't. And so you can't say that, oh, they made Texas look bad because they did not make they Texas did. look bad. No, they didn't. I think they did. They, they did for three fourths of the game. Three fourths of the game. It was a six point game. It would so, not have been a six point game the had they not let them get back into the it. Only they didn't let them quarter, get back no. into it. And they didn't even pull away. The only quarter that Washington was like significantly better than Texas was the 10 0 third quarter. They came out faster, and Texas' defense still held them to 10. I don't know how you can complain about that. Washington didn't score a touchdown for the last quarter and a half. So that was not, oh, well, Washington was so fantastic. Not saying that Penix didn't have a great game, he looked great. He had a great game that he didn't against Michigan, by the way. It's but the difference. It's the difference the between defense. a the difference between a powerhouse P five program and one that is that is an average. That P5 is program. At, that right. is the nope. dumbest no, no, thing. No, I've no, ever no, heard no, you no. Say. It's not. What dumb. are you it's talking not dumb. about? You're really it's comparing. Not dumb. If we're put comparing Michigan, history, you're comparing Michigan. Washington, to Michigan. Texas. A no, no, no. Put Michigan. You're not. You're not listening to my take. Here's my take. Put Michigan or another powerhouse. P5 program like Alabama, Michigan, Ohio State, any of those other big name schools, they finish the job. They don't take their foot off the gas in a game like that where they're up. Washington, on the other hand, they took their foot off the gas. And that's why Texas was able to get back in the game. They right. I don't, I don't agree with that. I, I don't that's I think the point that I was trying to make ultimately. I think Texas that- stayed in there. It was it was fluky that Texas even got the last chance in the first place because they got an extra 30 seconds when the injured guy went down because of the rule stoppage. So really only should have had like 15 that's seconds. That's football. You're never getting that position. That's anyway. football. You can't say fluky that's football. When that's football. <laughs> Absolutely fluky. You can't like say Washington fluky. You're, you're, that you're game like the, you're like the same you you have like the same opinion as the people that were like remember when what Mahomes won the toss and beat the Bills two years ago. Oh, yeah. And people could not stop complaining about the overtime laws. Yeah, no, I remember that. And they're right. Like, both teams should get a chance in overtime. Yeah. I don't know. What's okay, but point? they didn't. That's football. That's the that happened. So you can't use the Dylan Johnson injury as, oh, that, well, that was fluky to even get there. Well, to be I'm honest. saying that part of it. And then the part of it that Washington taking their foot off the gas to on the last drive with the play calls that they made, like Washington gave Texas a way back in Texas took advantage, almost got over the top, didn't do it. But Washington and was in control. For much of the I game. mean, like I said, it was very similar to the end of the 2006 Rose Bowl. The difference is that the quarterback for Texas was Vince Young, not Quinn Ewers. That was I, the difference. I'm just not sure I agree with that, but I'll agree to disagree. All right. Well, that's fine. So anyway, so Washington you, you, then wait, wait, went on to get blown blaming. out by 21 points. Okay. Yeah. We'll we'll drop it. We'll drop it. Yeah. The two the two best teams played at the Sugar Bowl, but um, well, let's not get crazy now. Anyway, 
Anything else to add about the CFP in general? Any any memories from the four team playoff, gentlemen? <laughs> I think it I mean, snubbed think a lot of out. teams. Oh, go ahead. I think it snubbed a lot of teams, but I've already made my opinion clear on that. And uh, looking forward to the twelve team format. Yeah, I'm I'm 100 with you there. I think there's been just inconsistencies with the way the committee's done it that 12 teams are going to fix and make not an issue anymore. There's still going to be somebody upset that they don't get in the field or they don't get the seed they want, but everybody that deserves a chance to win a national title is going to get a chance at it now. So glad that we're done with this four team crap that doesn't make any sense. It's going to be a movie when eight and four LSU is picked over like 12 and 0 Liberty though. (laughs) Absolute movie. (laughs) It's like, oh, what's it called? Tulane's going to go 11 and one with like a loss to a P, a, a mid P5. And then what's it called? Like nine and three Ole Miss is going to get over and over them. <laughs> 12 team playoff is going to be filled with a bunch of P5 teams, like one G5 team, maybe. Well, that that is the one thing that I'm interested to see now that the Pac 12 is dissolving <clears throat> is if they get this rule change in where you've got the five conf, you know, the five highest ranked conference champs getting in like how does that impact the g5 here like is there a g5 team that can really emerge here and you know become a bit of a power on that on that kind of a level that where they could make consistent playoff berths because they've got a real path to it now yeah i mean it certainly opens the door for some g5 programs yeah 100 percent. so i that's the thing to me that could be the most intriguing is just some of these g5s getting a shot to show hey Maybe we can play with you on the football field here once in a while. Maybe we can have a shot to go win something. Yeah, for sure. I guess my final thoughts on the four-team playoff is that it was divisive. I think that the biggest snub of them all was in 2014, I want to say, when the committee left off Baylor and TCU when they split the Big 12 title. I felt like <laughs> I felt like that was not um a good choice i think that was worse than the florida state decision both teams deserved to go neither did go um and those were some good teams of course the baylor teams ended up being uh, remembered for a different thing but you know <laughs> if you remember the good times uh those baylor teams that art briles coached were were really solid deserved to play in the playoff never did um but yeah that's that's pretty much all i have to say about the college football playoff um what a year. I think this was by far the best playoff year of them all so far, just in terms of the games. The semifinals were the best. The Natty wasn't as good as it could have been. The semifinals were really solid. Um, I don't know if Florida State would have done as well as any of the other teams would have done. A lot of people are convinced those defenses could have competed against teams better than uh, Washington did and and Alabama. But we will uh, never know. And that is something I'm sure the Seminole fans will oh and then cry about. So <laughs> that'll be it uh, for the college football playoff talk. Done. The talk is done. We'll keep you in tune with any college football news, of course. Still on the UNT beat. Spring football isn't before too long. Uh, we'll keep you updated with that. Uh, John, thank you for coming in. It's been we, an honor. We appreciate it. Uh, you you came on, looked looked us straight in the face, and still argued your case. Uh, we have <laughs> these conversations are a lot more civil than the ones we have over PlayStation. You know, <laughs> we have to control it a little bit. So it's nice when mm. when we're forced to be civil. Um, oh yeah, thanks for coming on. Uh, we'll take it from here, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, thanks for thanks for having me on. Thanks for allowing me to eat a little crow here and tell everybody how wrong I was. And all I know is I'm going to be right next year and Texas ain't making the playoff <laughs> next year. Yeah, we'll see. John uh, is stuffing his face with yeah. crows right now. Stuffing yeah. his mouth. Stuffing. The crows are all the way in his throat. <laughs> but that'll be, that'll be it, John, man. We'll get John again soon. We got to get Bab on first. Um before you before we have you on again we still haven't had love or bab on so we got to get that we got to give some other guests a chance man we can't just be biased well you know you you kept the the spot for me to be the best guest first so i appreciate that at least there you go save the best for first exactly all right we'll catch you man all right see y'all
This is the final warning call to Flight 277M2, another Mean Green Podcast. All right, man. Well, that was John Fields. You guys can find him at drcsports.com. He runs that high school beat for them. Man is in a different, like, gym every night right now. Go show your love and support to him. Follow him on Twitter at johnfield0, exactly how you think it's spelled. John Field with an S, zero. That is what it is. Go and show him some love. He's one of the hardest working people I know. Anyway, after a lot, a lot of talking, it is now finally time to get into the hardwood. And Milo, it's been a good week for the hardwood. Man, it's been a team, good week. It's been a good hardwood. week for the hardwood. Uh, since we last spoke, uh, UNT beat Wichita State and Wichita 74 to 62. After that, they beat Tulane. They came home, beat Tulane, seventy to fifty-six. A two, a two-lane team that um, came in nine and three. I mean, they weren't bad by any means, and UNT wiped the floor with them. A career high points again for Mister Jason Edwards. He dropped thirty-seven points against Tulane. Oh. The guy was on fire from three-point range. He went eight for ten. Made his first eight attempts as well. They could not stop him from the beyond the arc. And what did I say, Milo? I said Jason Burton is going to be Jason Burton. The head. A little <laughs> too, little too early. Jason Edwards. Jason Edwards. Sorry, Jason Edwards was going to be the next big JUCO guy for UNT. Of course, following in the footsteps of Javian Hamlet and Tyler Perry. And so far. He's been that for UNT. In fact, I think he, I've said this, I think he has a deeper bag than Tyler Perry. You think so? I think so. I've, I've I heard think you he, say it. And I think, you know, shooting eight for 10 and, and dropping eight for 10 from beyond the arc, right? And um, dropping 37 <laughs> definitely shows that your bag is deeper. Yeah. And I think he uh, drives to the rim a little more effectively. He's a bigger body, six foot. Uh, and he's a sophomore, so he has a lot of time to grow. I don't know, man. I think uh, I think he's been very, very good. And he's gotten two starting opportunities the last two weeks with John Bugs and Ruben Jones out. Uh, so he's got. I gotten, think he should stay in. Well, it's, he I was getting starter. Stay. He was getting starter minutes, anyways. He just, he oh. just was not starting the game. Oh yeah. Well, I think he should start the game then, because um, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And he is most definitely not broken. I mean, it wasn't all sunshine and rainbows. Yeah, of course not. Against Tulane. I mean, the full court press of Tulane, they were really struggling with it. Um, You know, when you don't have your senior guard, an experienced guy like John Bugs, it's going to be a little bit harder to break that press. But they did eventually. And, I mean, Jason Edwards looked great. He looked fantastic, and he's getting better every game. That's kind of the thing this season because of the beginning of the season, it was like, okay, he's got some potential. He's looking okay. And then now it's like consistently putting up, like in his last five, 11, 26, 12, 17, 37. So it's just kind of a linear progression for their for Jason Edwards. And, you know, I think that's great for UNT. It shows that, hey, Ross Hodge can develop Juco talent like McCaslin did. You know, they, these guys can be as effective as they were. 2-0 to start American Athletic Conference play. That currently puts them first in the conference with an asterisk because nobody's played each other yet. But they are sitting in first place. Yeah, I think it's it's exactly what, what the doctor ordered, right? Exactly how the coach drew it up. And, uh, you know, I remember we a couple weeks ago, we said, yeah, this team has – Struggled a little bit in a non-conference schedule, but we'll see what they can do once conference play starts, and and we'll look to see them get on off on the right foot to get started right and carry that momentum throughout the beginning of conference play. And we're starting to see that two and zero undefeated to start conference play. And um, I mean, this is it's 
pretty much what they needed, right? Especially because, yeah. again, coming off a, a rough con- non uh, rough non conference schedule, I should say. Um, this is exactly what they needed. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's going to be a tough conference, like we said last week. Going to be a very oh, tough yeah. conference run for them. They play Temple this weekend back at the pit on Saturday. Uh, they will be uh, facing the Temple Owls. Temple is nine and eight. They're not looking too fantastic this season, but they did just beat Wichita State. Um, 68-61. It was a close one. You know, Temple has always been one of those programs across all their sports that, you know, they're not like, God, I can't look. They're so bad. But they're not Just kind of mid. Yeah. High Seer Miller leads them in scoring. Um, good old High Seal. He's been there for a little bit. Um, 17.3 points per game, so he'll be the guy to watch. I think it'll be a pretty easy win for uh, for Ross Hodges' group. I don't really see it being a tough competition, you know. Yeah, I, I don't think so. I think it should be another win for them, and uh, they should be – Continuing conference play at 3-0. Yep, I completely agree with you. It gets a little bit tougher after uh, after next week, though. Uh, January 17th, they play Eastern Carolina in Greenville. Then they stay in North Carolina to play Charlotte three days later. Uh, but then it's after those two games that you really start to get a lot tougher. SMU at the pit on January 25th. Florida Atlantic in Boca Raton, even though Florida Atlantic has looked kind of shaky these last few days. They're fraudulent. That's exactly yeah. what I said. Fraudulent. You know, they might fraudulent. they might be fraud, Atlantic fraudulent University. Atlantic University. You put it on my Twitter. I don't know. I'm not I don't know if I want to call them fraudulent yet, but they certainly don't look good right now. They were ranked top five, I think. Top five. Yeah. What were they ranked to start the season? They're like top yeah. ten. Yeah, top ten. And uh, you know, you I said that it was because of their Cinderella run last year. They went all the way to they went all the way to the final sure. four. Yeah. Was, and I said they don't they don't really belong that high, but you know, everybody's like, oh, we'll wait and see and, and look at what's going on with them now. Now they're continuing to fall. And I think it's only a matter of time before, you know, they take one big L, one big choke job, and they end up out of the top twenty five. So you think they're pretenders? I think they're pretenders. Um, not for the American conference but i think pretenders in terms of the college basketball as a whole i don't think i don't think they're top 25 in in the nation i can see that i can for sure see that top 30 Um, maybe but i I don't top 25 i don't see it yeah they'll probably stick around top 35 in in net this season i don't know where they are in ken palm right now i'll have to check that um but i want to talk about a man and his players who know the Lone Star Conference. Mm. To UNT women's basketball, Coach Jason Burton has just continued to find success for this team where Jaylee Mitchell did not last season. And I hate to dunk on Jaylee Mitchell every episode. It's like that It's like that video of the guy on skates dunking in the basketball. <laughs> 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 yeah, that one. Jason Burton is 12 and 3. they're back on the win streak uh two game win streak Uh, they went to philadelphia and beat temple 74 to 63 on the second day of the year and then five days later they came back to the super pit and defeated florida atlantic amply uh 86 to 52 was not even a close didn't even give them a chance um i just dropped something so if i sound far away from my mic that's why um if they sound far away, or pardon me, if, if the score doesn't sound close, then you're absolutely correct. It was not close at all. Um, Florida Atlantic was no competition for Desiree Kernal and the UNT women's basketball team. They are up to 12-3, and three, like I said, and they're only getting better. Only Jason under Jason Burton. And it's kind of a, a shock to me a little bit because this team was so unbelievably bad last season and with a coaching change and you know not a lot of time to instill a culture he's really like had the had these women playing i mean 
two and one conference play. They're sitting fifth in the conference, but they also have um, the best record overall in the conference. So that is some certainly something to look at there. Yeah, I think that definitely is. And it's like I said a couple episodes ago, at some point you win enough games to where the conversation changes. It's no longer about, oh, well, when does this hot streak end? And it's all of a sudden about, okay, these guys are legit. They're for real. They're contenders for the conference. So I think we're we're at that point now. We're at that point where the conversation has shifted. These guys are legit and they should be in in contention to, to take home the American. Yeah. And I mean, they've shown the ability to bounce back as well because they had those two straight losses um to charlotte and montana state and what do they do they just win two straight in response so it's kind of one of those things it's like you can't beat them down yeah yeah i mean that's that's crucial in a team that is supposed to be a contender bouncing back the ability to you know not get disgruntled or discouraged by a big loss or an upset to bounce back like that, that is a huge component of a championship caliber team. Yeah, and they've excelled at it, man. So good for them. Very good for them. Uh, I think Jason Burton's done a great job. He knows the Lone Star Conference, and yep. we've been big on that. Does he know? Um, he does. But yeah, shout out UNT Women's Basketball coming up for them. They travel to sh- for the. I just lost my ability to speak. Wichita State. Um, Wichita State is a lowly program in women's basketball. Five and eleven overall record. One and three in conference. Game they should be rolling over. Um, not much to say other than that. They should be winning that one by a large margin. Yeah, I think so. Uh, but like we just said, you know, if they don't manage to come away with the win, I think it's safe to say you can bet on them bouncing back as well. Um, So, but again, it should be a given win for them. Yeah, for sure. But Milo, man, I just checked my phone. Can't see anything. I don't know what time it is. Can you tell me? I think it just might be time for Milo's take. Better check that timing. It's time for Milo's take. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, there you go. So, I don't think Jameis Winston did anything wrong over the weekend. Oh, I don't think he did. <laughs> I was going in his life, or <laughs> not? Not in his life over the weekend. Look, yeah. Jameis Winston and the Saints yeah. were playing the Falcons over the weekend on Sunday, and they just creamed them. They creamed yeah. them, forty-eight seventeen. Um, this is a rivalry game too. Now in the final seconds of the game, New Orleans has the ball in the red zone. Um, they're on the goal line, essentially the Falcons goal line, and they set up in victory formation and they're about to take a knee, you know, it's whatever they're, they're going to, they're going to take a knee, run the clock out. Game's over. I mean, they got it in the bag. They're up by like over 20 points. I think at this point, uh, it was, it was a lock. Instead of going for the knee in victory formation, they um, they take it into the end zone for a touchdown. <laughs> and this has spurred outrage. Or, I mean, it's kind of a mixed bag. I've seen a lot of people on Twitter saying that, um, you know, this is poor sportsmanship. You shouldn't do this. You set up in victory formation, take the knee and call it quits. Don't, don't, uh, don't shove the knife in any, any deeper. I mean, why would you do that? Be respectful. Show good sportsmanship. I don't think Jameis Winston did anything wrong here. Look, he's the quarterback. If he wants to go for the extra touchdown, I understand that, you know, yeah, they set up in victory formation to trick them in the final seconds of the game. That's not cool. Um, I don't care. I don't care. And and I, I think it's a rivalry game. It's a rivalry game. And you want to show them that, that, you know, you mean business, right? You mean business. You're not playing around with them. You're not. You're not taking taking them kindly. Um, I don't think Jameis Winston did anything wrong. Now you can also sit here and say, "Oh well, well, according to the head coach, uh, and uh, 
drawing a blank on his name, um, but head coach of New Orleans. Um, he said that that was not the intention on that play. The intention was to take a knee and, you know, run the clock out and not go for the extra touchdown. So Jameis Winston was then grilled by a reporter in a uh, in a locker room scrum at the end of the game. The guy's asking him, do you think what you did was the right thing? Was that the right thing to do? Uh, you know, who, who decided, was that the right thing to do? Who decided on it? And James Winston is like, oh, the team, we decided on it. And so the, the reporter's asking him, do you think you did the right thing? And he's like, who's, who's you? You mean the team? Because we were the one, the whole team collectively decided to score the touchdown. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I'm usually not a fan of running up the score. I think that's kind of unsportsmanlike. But you bring up a big point. Atlanta and New Orleans is a huge rivalry. It always has been a huge rivalry. You cannot get mad that uh, Jameis Winston decided to score a touchdown there because it's a rivalry game. And, and let's look at it this way. Dennis Allen, the Saints head coach, he was like, okay, yeah, whatever. It wasn't my call. It was Jameis's. Arthur Smith, on the other side, got fired. So yeah. the Falcons can be upset. Arthur Smith can be upset. He can be upset on his couch eating some popcorn because that's where he's going to watch the <laughs> next Saints game. You know, I think a lot of it is just Arthur Smith was upset that he kind of saw the writing of the wall of his own career. Yeah. And, you know, when Jameis Winston scored another touchdown or handed it off to score another touchdown, made an audible of his own, um, it rubbed Mr. Smith. Not me, Arthur Smith. The wrong way. Um, yeah, I mean, so, you could see him after when time expired in that game, and it was over. He was, I mean, he was, he was, he was, he was irate. Pissed off. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I don't think Jameis Winston and the Saints did anything wrong. Rivalry game. That's what makes the sport good, right? Yeah. So, no, yeah. I I completely agree with you. Agreeable take, Milo. Agreeable Very take. Agreeable. A little bit different. No college take this weekend. No. This well, week. college, we're, we're screwed because college football is coming to an end. And, man, when what are we going to talk about over summer, dude? <laughs> uh, recruits. We'll talk about recruits. And, um, you know, the new NCAA football game is going to come out. Oh, that's we'll, true. That's we'll true. That. We will get a little. We will return dude, to the gridiron for college football. We, we have to have an online dynasty when NCAA football comes out. Oh yeah, we'll we'll give our review on that game here on this podcast for we'll, sure. Yeah, so we will Bro, have some stuff to talk about. If week. we can get if we can get Caleb to get a PS5 and get John to download NCAA, I was about to say fourteen because that's what I've been playing for ten years. Um, and get John to download the new NCAA game and we run up a four man dynasty. Oh, it's over. I'm beating y'all. It's yeah. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be hitting the train. All your players will be hitting the transfer portal and heading to Reed University. Reed University. Read you. Read you. Coming, coming go to the gridiron. Go Reed. sign at the UR. University of Reed. Well, EA Sports were very nearly my cornballs of the week, but instead, I'm gonna go with Aaron Rodgers. We're jumping straight into cornball of the week. We're going Aaron Rodgers. A-Rod. A-Rod. My so listen, quarterback? Your quarterback at the Jets. Now listen, I'm not going to get political on this podcast. We never get political on this podcast. But I am going to look at what A-Rod has been doing. So recently, Aaron Rodgers called out um, Jimmy Kimmel and said, oh, Jimmy Kimmel's going to be really upset when he's on the Epstein list. And you know, I listen. I I get that that may have been Aaron Rodgers' idea of a joke. Not very funny. Jimmy Kimmel roasted him for it. Pat McAfee had Aaron Rodgers back on the show to respond to Jimmy Kimmel uh, roasting Aaron Rodgers and his monologue. I don't have an issue with all that. I don't give a damn what Jimmy Kimmel thinks about Aaron Rodgers. I don't give a damn about what Aaron Rodgers says about Jimmy Kimmel. What I have an issue with is that Aaron Rodgers said like two weeks ago, he's like, you know what? Until next season, it's all focused now. I'm only going to focus on football. 
no distractions, and then the first thing he does is make more distractions. That's yeah. cornball activity. Yeah, he's not living up to his word, and uh, he's Aaron Rodgers has Twitter fingers. He's got yeah, what we like does. to call Twitter fingers. What a lot yeah, of a lot of mean green fans have. Aaron Rodgers has that too. He's got, he's got, he lacks the ability to stay away. His Twitter fingers, they're itching to get, open up a new tweet and type and get on the keyboard. Yeah. He's, he's spending more time on the be, keyboard than he on the He would be great field. on the, yeah. on the blog webs, the most rational blog in college sports. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He, um, yeah. He would go 10 He 10 would definitely be. So Aaron Rodgers, I mean, you know, I'd, I'd hate to say it, but that is a little cornball-y, little, yeah. little, a little bit of a cornball move to say that you're yeah. done and then to make a valiant return. But I mean, indeed, good on him for speaking his opinion, I guess. I mean, I everybody can do know it. about that. Yeah. I don't know. I guess. Yeah, I don't know, man. But who's your cornball? Who's your cornball of the week? Everybody wants to be Stefan Diggs. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to take it back. I'm going to take it back to the, the natty. I'm going to I'm going to take it back to the natty. And um, Washington wide receiver Jalen Polk, I think that's how you say it, uh, he just declared for the 2024 NFL Draft uh, just yesterday. But anyways, what makes him cornball-y is <laughs> cornball-y is now a corn, cornball right? That's a country, dude. You looked a little cornball on that one. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> everybody wants to be Stefan Diggs. Yeah. Jalen Polk stayed out i think he was like the only washington player that sat there on the field and watched michigan <laughs> he is a huge cornball for that I he is a huge cornball. thank you thank you for saying that yes because i mean i literally said in the group chat while while they were doing the trophy presentation actually before they even brought out the trophy i said okay who's gonna be the stefan Diggs this time around because it <laughs> happens every single time and guess what <laughs> caleb sends a tweet a few minutes, just a few minutes later, I think it was literally like less than five minutes later, a tweet comes out that says, Jalen Polk's still out here watching the watching the trophy presentation. God. It's like, bro. <laughs> Go bro. back in, bro. Go I kiss your girlfriend. Ma- I think what makes it even worse is that he just declared for the draft. He's not coming back. And he knew <laughs> that he was declaring for the draft, too, because this happened just days ago. So he watched this trophy presentation thinking, well, that's really it. I'm never going to get a chance to do this, so I might as well watch it and take it in. Instead of what Stefan Diggs did and what a lot of other players do is they watch it thinking, that's going to be me next year. Just watch. That's not going to be you anymore. <laughs> and anytime. That's not going to be you, Jalen Polk, because you're not coming back to college. You're going to the pros. Yeah, You did a cornball-y move right there. You, you sat in awe. You said, oh, wow. Well, I couldn't hoist it. I'm gonna watch JJ hoist it. Yeah, you know, I I gotta say an honorable mention real quick. Just uh, this is our first repeat cornball of the week. Mm. JJ mid Carthy again, dude. He <laughs> just listen, listen. Did you see him after the championship game? He went to kiss his girlfriend like 49 times. Hey, right, well, um, cornballing material. But but who? But what does a little love hurt? Right. Listen, if Casey anybody. ever wins an NCAA title, I thought about it. Am I going to lean over the glass? <laughs> Am okay. I going to be JJ McCarthy's girlfriend in that situation? Okay. So you bring up a good point. JJ McCarthy, yeah. cornball for Michigan. How about Jim Harbaugh and the whole Michigan team <laughs> singing for he's a jolly good fellow? In Dude. the locker room, <laughs> after they went, instead of bringing out the champagne bottles and going crazy and playing rap music, your kids, dude. Freeze a jolly good fellow. Freeze a jolly good fellow. Okay, you can say, you can say, oh, well, they're kids, they're kids. LSU was saying, was playing get the gap. LSU bro a few was, years ago, bro, and there was that cold Joe Burrow with the yeah, Joe Shiesty with the cigar. You, you remember that? Remember the Ed O quote? Oh, be careful with that cigar, son. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but no, but no. You got Michigan full of white boys. For he's a jolly good fellow. For he's a jolly good fellow. For he's a jolly good fellow. That nobody can deny. Woo! Yeah, we did it. Yeah, I like it straight out of a cartoon or something. Charlie Brown, in, Charlie Brown in celebration. That thing, in that thing, they kept doing the 
who has it better than me right now? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, but actually, you know, my real cornball should be should be Jim Harbaugh and the rest of the team. And Harbaugh's over there directing. He's he's over here like it's like he's enjoying a fight. Like I don't know, dude. <laughs> it was bro so watched, bad. I saw bro, that tweet today. Bro had watched one too many. Uh... One too many lifetime movies, my guy. Yeah, it was literally something straight out of like a like one of those you know like Mighty Ducks type movies, bro, dude. Or Miracle on Ice, Miracle. Something bro, like Miracle that. wasn't corny though. Miracle, wasn't I mean, it was corny at times, but like, I don't know. Tonight we fight. Tonight I we want, play for the United States. Of I want I want the goalie who wouldn't take the test. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! My God! Yeah. All we right, got some man. some big some big honorable corn balls this week. The, but, yeah. There was it was a yeah. corn ball. I can't get over it. It was a little corn bally. <laughs> it looked a little <laughs> corn bally on that play. I completely forgot that Jim Harbaugh did. What do you got going on this weekend? Um, we are going to, um, probably venture back to downtown LA. We'll probably spend the day there, do something. And, uh, yeah, cause we, we stayed local last weekend and, uh, I don't, can't remember what we did the weekend prior, but yeah, we're, we're going to do a little, little touristy and a little bit touristy out here, little, little attractions and, uh, yep. yeah, we'll, we'll go have, enjoy our have weekend. fun, uh, traversing Los Santos. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, you, you visit Mount and Chiliad you, yet? What? I said you visit Mount Chiliad yet? No, not yet. No. Gotcha. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I bet I will. Yeah, there I you go. I will. Yeah, I'll go to Vinewood too. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I've been to Vinewood. Yeah, I've been pull, there a couple pull, times. Pull up uh, Sarah's whip into Los Santos Customs. Yeah, I've seen a couple of them. Yeah. He's not going to LS customs. <laughs> what can the best mechanic at LS do for you? <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. I'm, I'm, I'm doing some tourism. As, I guess not tourism. He's going to Beantown. I'm going to Beantown. I'm heading up to Boston, enjoying my final four days of freedom before my uh, the semester starts. Um Going leaving tomorrow. It's Wednesday. I'll be editing this on a plane. It's a three-hour flight. Not doing, dude. I'm done doing connecting flights. I decided I'm done with connecting flights. Yeah, it's rough. It's rough. Yeah, I, I mean, do we, that we no do them. We've done them before as well. To go back to San Antonio, it's just too much, dude. It's like after far, one, after one, you're done. How far is the flight from San Antonio to DFW? Um, <laughs> it's like thirty minutes. We were really? literally we were literally in the air for like I don't know 15, 20. We were in the air for fifteen minutes before he's like, "All right, we're gonna start making our descent." I was like, "Really?" Oh. <laughs> so well, the flight path is yeah. like a triangle, dude. It's like yeah, yeah it's no, no, it's literally like a triangle. Like it's, it's so short, but yeah, That's it was insane. one of those things where I felt like we taxied for longer than we were in the air. But, My God, yeah, dude, I yeah. got a middle seat tomorrow. Well, best of luck. I mean, yeah. you are going. You are going to subject the passenger to the left and to the right of you with the greatest podcast on the market. I'm going to man spread like a, like a King one leg yeah. in the lady's lap next to me, the other in the guy's lap next the, on the other side. I'll be editing the podcast with no headphones on. I mean, there you go. You know, just a true airline Free promotion. Person. There you go. Free promo. <laughs> just that. Just ask them, hey, uh, ma'am, have you ever listened to uh, another Mean Green podcast? Just asking. There's going to be someone from, like, I don't know, someone from Ecuador, whatever. <laughs> they're going to be like, uh, no habla ingles. <laughs> they're going to have no clue, but you're going to have to put yeah. them on. There you go. We should start doing this podcast in completely Spanish. First thing, I have to learn it. Same here. It's okay. I'm taking Spanish this semester. I'll be a pro by the end. All right. That'll be it for us this week, man. All right. If you enjoyed listening, then you'll love being a Mean Green 24-7 VIP. 
With basketball season in full swing and softball right around the corner, you'll not want to miss content like By the Numbers, a look at UNT's wins and losses by the facts and the figures. Be sure to subscribe to Mean Green 24-7. As a reminder, another Mean Green podcast is, or is of right now, 24-7 Sports' UNT podcast. And because of that, I would like you to subscribe to my content, man. I work hard. Please. (laughs) I'm not one to beg. But that is all for us at another Mean Green Podcast. I have been Reed Smith. That has been Milo. Uh, Time to fly, baby. Peace out. UNT has a tough game against Temple this weekend. Goodbye.